Oh, that actually reminds me of something that happened to the gym today. So I was about to like start my workout. I was heading towards uh, the squat rack, and the fitness instructor that is kind of like the coach there, he came up to me and he asked me, like, all right, so like, what kind of squats are you going to do today? I just look at him like, diddly. <laughs> all right, that's good. That is good. Did he laugh? I know this is completely made up. Oh, I was gonna say, this is just like a that little... would have been amazing if that actually happened. No, but keep that in your back pocket, kids, because that's fucking hilarious. That, that is a good one. Suki liked it. Well, right. now that we got doggy dog issue out of the way. All right, so yeah, well, meaning that she's right next to us. Yeah, <laughs> so we we just took a quick break and grabbed her and brought her down. Yeah, meaning that I caved as a, <laughs> as a dog dad. I'm like, I'm so sorry, Zuki. You were you so lonely being 20 feet away from us and with your all your treats. So now we have a little guest in the audience, and yeah. her name is Zuki. Yes, Zuki. Anything to say? Huh, weird. She's all. All quiet when it comes to it, being on a microphone. She can't get canceled again. Stay fright, I guess. Right, yeah. Hey, we were nervous our first time on the pod, too, so. That is true. But all of the dog stuff aside, Evan, how are you doing today? I'm doing just fab. Getting excited for upcoming trip, going and staying a week on Lake Superior, mm. actually, in about two weeks, so. Our girlfriend and I are bringing up our two dogs, and we're going to stay in the week and just going on all the hiking trails. It's going to be so serene, Nice, too. nice. I don't know if... Yeah, serene's the prop, I, proper adjective. I would adjective. say that's probably good, yeah. But that's coming up, and yeah, just exciting things in the work, in the works and the uh, podcast game. Like, we're still going strong. We're getting ready for another Gems of Horror. Oh, yes. Episode yeah. 100 is coming up as well. It's kind of crazy that we've gotten almost 200 now. 100. That, that is nuts for this weekly I mean, podcast. It's, it's still like four months away, but <laughs> I mean, it's coming up pretty quick. So <laughs> it's, yeah, hey, right around I the mean, corner. We're, we're way over halfway there. So that's true. Wow. That'll be right around like New Year's Eve, Christmas ish area. Something like that. I don't know. It's too much math for me to do right, right. now. But mid January, yeah. who could forget? But yeah, we're as Evan mentioned, we're uh, doing the Gems of Horror, planning on doing one at least coming up again. So if you guys got stories you want to send in for it, make sure you send them in to uh, Gems of History Podcast at gmail dot com, so that we can uh, get them on the show for you. So. Or DM us on any of our social medias on Twitter. We're at Gems underscore History Instagram, just Gems of History Podcast, as well as our YouTube and TikTok channels. So we are so reachable; it is nuts. We're, we're just more doing all the plugs right at the top. You gotta. That way, when people turn us off halfway through, then they still know. <laughs> yep, they still know where to find us. You can find Jacob at Jacob from Wisco, and then myself at Wodevsky's on Twitter. So, dang, are we reachable? Our cell phone numbers are also, <laughs> as the kids say, slide in the DMs. Do kids still say that? I don't think. I think those kids now have full time jobs. Okay, <laughs> I so no, I don't think they do. I don't know what the kids do anymore. Honestly. I'm so out of touch. Like, I can't believe I'm the social media guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you're taking a whole hold of the reins on that one because I'm just here to produce. <laughs> I'll do the background stuff. We're so 
So yeah, we know the younger generation as we started a podcast like a full decade after podcast started. Hey, like, you know, we, had, we we just got a late start. You know? Right. We were also like 15 at the time. You so. know the, uh, the episode of Seinfeld where Jerry hosts the marathon runner and then they sleep in too late and they get there late? That's us. But we're still doing our best to get back in the race. Exactly. Still, still getting in the race and... Who knows where we'll finish? Probably at the top, most likely, with these dynamic personalities. That is the plan. (laughs) Who don't even mention the topic for the first 10 minutes. Hey, you know, we're just getting everyone warmed up. As we said, this episode is is not the most uplifting story. We've we've had some fun episodes the past couple weeks, so now we're hitting you guys with a real real heavy one. Yeah, with a real kidney punch. You thought that we were just like a couple goofballs. Bitch, you thought. <laughs> we also can make you cry, so talk about dual threats. You know, we got it all going on, and we we know you guys love a good I don't know if you would call this true crime story. It's kind of like a mysterious true crime esque story. <laughs> I don't even know what you would call this. Like any it's almost a kidnapping, really. Yeah, it's uh kidnapping on a global scale because yeah. like, an entire government <laughs> influences national politics. Like, yeah. It's kind of a big deal. You're right. The geopolitical bad guy of the last like <laughs> 20 years. Yeah, one of the uh, boogeymen, as they say. You're right. So, our story today begins on New Year's Eve of 2015 going into 2016. A young man allegedly entered a restricted area in a tourist resort hotel in Pyongyang, North Korea. CCTV camera footage from the hotel shows this figure, mostly unidentifiable, walking down the hallway and ultimately removing a framed North Korean propaganda poster from the wall. The following morning, the alleged suspect was on his way to the airport to head back to his home in Ohio with his travel roommate. But on his way through security checkpoints, he is approached by two North Korean soldiers and escorted away. His friend joked that it was the last time that they were going to see each other. But little did he know, this joke would become reality. The young American tourist would be arrested, taken to trial, and charged to 15 years of hard labor in Korea. He would barely serve any of that sentence, however. About a year and a half after being detained, the young man would return home to Ohio, a shell of his former self, dying very shortly after getting back to America. This young man had his life stolen from him. His name? was Otto Frederick Warmbier. On the early morning of January 1st, 2016, I committed my crime of taking out the important political slogan from the staff-only area of the Angokdo International Hotel, aimed at harming the work ethic and the motivation of the Korean people. So, today, we will be covering the story of what exactly happened to... Otto Frederick Warmbier on his trip to Korea. Yeah, it's just one of the more sad stories that I think we've ever, ever covered. Uh, like you mentioned, this young man who at the time was 21. Yeah, a young guy, had his whole life. Like had, we'll get into a little bit more on his background, but really, I mean, he was going places too. Like he Very had much. his life planned out, um, had probably one of the most unimaginable things happen. Like, in terms of, like, you're traveling. Like, no one could have predicted this, really. Yeah, it's, it is very unfortunate, the situation that happened around this story. And honestly, I don't think a lot of people know about this story, at least, like, in our age group. 
Not at all. Like I had, I truly had no idea of this ever happening, and this happened fairly recently. Yeah, less, like you know? less than ten years ago. So right, like this was a very prevalent story. I mean, the Trump administration was very involved. They also, we'll talk about it too. Um, like they used this as like a political point as well, trying to show, I mean, just how effective Trump was, even though guy came back dead. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely a story that I think just gets buried because yeah. so much other shit is going right. on. Right. Well, and it's timely now too because we have the whole situation with the uh, female basketball star who is detained now in Russia for like the weed charges. Right. Yeah. Brittany Griner got caught with like a hashish oil pen, something like that. Like, yeah. So. It's, it reminded me of this story, and that's kind of why I wanted to cover it, because it is somewhat timely, I guess. Right. I mean, she got nine years yeah. of prison for just possessing that. Like, that's just... And he got 15 years for allegedly stealing a poster. So. Yeah, alleged... Did, did they even find the poster on him? I don't even remember him. He did have a poster, but... Ah. Yeah, Otto's background, I mean, it really... Like, looking at it, it's just like... Your classic, I mean, he was from the Midwest, like your classic Midwestern childhood. He was an, everyone that describes him just says he's an all-American boy. Yeah, like he literally, he's just a straight, straight up normal dude. Like nothing. Successful, normal guy. Yeah, successful, normal guy. uh, Lived in like a two-story home. Like his parents always like flew the American flag in the front yard. You know, he was the oldest child, um, you know, went to a really good Ohio high school uh, where he received the second highest grade point average. He was an incredible mathematician, gifted soccer player and swimmer, and he was like the homecoming king, like prom king, whatever you want to call it. Bo- yeah, both of them. He, he was the king at both. Right. So, very popular guy. Yeah. And I mean, he... With all this, like, you know, high schoolers, like, they can have things go to their head very quickly. And even with all this, like, being a very smart kid, very popular kid, no one ever said, like, a bad word. Like, he was everyone's friend. Uh, His family was a little well off, but he still had a passion to do things by himself. Like, you know, get into college. Like, he was a scholarship winner. Uh, and went to Virginia with a full ride of scholarship, uh, intent on like becoming a banker. And when just to back up his at his high school graduation, he did a speech and he even took, he even quoted <laughs> yeah. the office. Yep. So like he again, he's just his office quote was, and I quote here: "I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them." Which, I mean, was one of the most famous quotes from that show. And, I mean, he's just a normal kid. But that know? also shows how recent this story comes from. Because yeah. he's quoting The Office in his high school years, which was before he even went and all this happened. So Right? Yeah, that's very true. Like I mentioned, he went on to go to the University of Virginia on a full-ride scholarship. Uh, he always like had a full calendar. Like He was a very good planner um he had great grades even like in college so very smart kid 
Um, he joined a frat that was, which was just known for having like the most nerdy, the nerdy kids, <laughs> like being full of like a bunch of nerdy dudes. And, you know, one of his college friends actually said that school and family always took precedence over everything else. Like those are things that were important to him. Uh, so like he wasn't like a big partier or like tailgater. I'm sure he did from time to time because yeah. he's a college kid, but like. His focus was on his family and getting good grades, and he even won a finance internship the fall of his junior year, and he was going to be working on Wall Street. Well, and even though like his parents were pretty well off, like his dad ran his own metal finishing company, and like now he's getting full rides to a good university and getting internships and everything. But he still loved to go like thrift shopping and stuff. So right, he was very just down to earth guy. <laughs> Right, like, from all the sounds, like, all the things I've seen, like, he would probably be a great third addition to this to yeah. this podcast. And he would bring the good looks that we need. Right, yeah. <laughs> he would really well, enhance the aesthetic of the right, show. Of our, of our audio format. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, he was just, he truly was that classic, like, he was probably Ronald Reagan's wet dream of just, <laughs> of an American, to be honest. He was just a... I mean, just your normal, normal dude. He had a good life ahead of him until he went on this trip. He decided on something a little, a little different than what your average kid might choose for a a New Year's Eve trip, like a Christmas New Year's Eve trip. Because he, as as I mentioned in the beginning, he ends up in North Korea, which you wouldn't really expect a kid to want a twenty-one-year-old kid to be like, you know what? I want to take a New Year's Eve trip by myself to North Korea. Yeah, he, I mean, when I was in his shoes, I went to Nashville, Tennessee, yeah. and like Florida a for little, my trip. A little trips. different than, than North Korea. Right, yeah, he just wanted to see like what else is out there in the world, which is kind of that adventurous spirit of his. Yeah, and that his parents said that he just loved studying other cultures, mm-hmm. and they knew that like the risk going to North Korea, and even though... They knew, well, you know, the State Department is saying it's not the best place to want to travel to for Americans, but they just said, how can you say no to him? He's just, he's their son, and he's just such a good kid. How do you say no? Right, and there's no way that this small Ohio family could just think that this would all happen. Exactly. Too. There's no way to predict that it's going to go this tragically wrong. Right, right. And it's just interesting, like... If you visit North Korea, even if it's just as a tourist, the American government truly has no power there. Nope. Like North Korea is not part of. You have no power here. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> like North Korea is very strict laws. In case you haven't, you know, watched any news in the past yeah. two decades. If you've been living under a rock the last like fifty years, unless you're in <laughs> North Korea right now, which. Props to you for getting to be able to listen to this. But. What if we're somehow the number one podcast? If <laughs> we have one download and we're the most listened. For how? Yeah, honestly. Well, I mean, we do bag on America a lot, so maybe what if we're just part <laughs> Kim of the? Jo- okay, we're part we've, of the North Korea propaganda machine. We've talked about Putin <laughs> listening to us. I don't think we want both him and Kim Jong Un listening to us. That's not a good look for us. 
But thank you for listening. Could you imagine? <laughs> could you like and subscribe? Give us five stars. <laughs> yeah, or give us a good review. <laughs> we say we would sell out a lot, but I don't but yeah, know if we could. This, sell. These are big steps we've got to go up if we want to get to that level of being shitheads. The Gems of History podcast, official podcast of the Holy Dynasty of Kim Jong. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Well, as long as he doesn't chemical weapon kill us like his brother, Joy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. then I think we're okay. I mean, honestly, if Seth Rogen and James Franco are still kicking, yeah, honestly, after they put out the movie, the interview, I think they'll be fine with us making yeah. a couple jokes on our <laughs> on our podcast on our podcast here. So, to sort of summarize all of that, we do not support Putin or Kim Jong Un. So. It's just to lay that flat on the record. Has any other history podcast? Come out and Strong said the same. Stance, yeah, Be- the people are asking. Look, can you, brave. Dan Carlin? <laughs> brave, so brave. Yes, thank you. So yeah, it, you you can go to Korea. I don't want to say easily, but they do have travel plans in place to let people come into the country because since they're so isolated and cut off from the rest of the world, they need money. <laughs> They have a very struggling economy, and these tourist travel plans are kind of the way that they supplement their economy a little bit to help make money and just make sure that they don't lose all of their money and go bankrupt. Right, yeah. North Korea Korea surprisingly sees about 10,000 visitors every single year, a majority from China, as you can probably suspect, Uh, but... Like 10,000 visitors for a country that's completely isolated. Yeah. And granted, all these visitors do not get to see a majority of the company. Right. They basically stay in the capital city and that's it. Yeah. Like you're not allowed to leave because that's where the labor camps are. Right, exactly. That's Can't a, have you taken any pictures there. It's a very ide- idealized tourist trip that you get specific locations. You get to stay. There's only one hotel that's 47 floors. That's the only one that people can stay in when they travel there, and you pretty much have to do like everything there. So, yeah, there's a bowling alley, a couple restaurants, yeah. one of them that spins. Yes, I saw I that was like under- a huge, huge highlight. Don't but. understand why that's a thing, but I guess people want to be spun while they eat food. <laughs> right, right, and like yeah, let's just sit in the tilt a whirl while I eat my dinner. Right, and you may be thinking like, how does one even get to North Korea, like, like travel wise? It's actually fairly easy and fairly cheap to do this. Yeah. So, for example, Otto used a site or a company called Young Pioneer Tours. And you may be thinking, that sounds a little sketch. They have some of the best accreditations and craziest comment section I've ever seen. <laughs> like, they're all five, five stars. I think I only saw one bad review out of, like, 600. So, like, all five stars, they've won multiple awards, like, this travel agency. So, I mean, they know what to do. So, like, it's not like he was a target of manipulation in that sense. Yeah, and he was you know? already planning on studying abroad in Hong Kong mm-hmm. after he, after winter break and everything ended. So, he was planning on going to this part of the world anyway. So, that's another reason why he kind of decided, well, let's go see what North Korea is all about. And then he, I believe Young Pioneers is actually based in China. So he kind of mm-hmm. used that connection that he was already had to get this pl- trip all planned out. Yeah. And it, I mean, they're literally the site is the quote fingers number one 
resource to get to North Korea. So. Yeah. I believe their slogan was something like, we take you to destinations your mother would rather you stay away from. One of the comments and reviews is very, very scenic and beautiful. We loved our time in Iraq. Nice. Like, what? A lovely, <laughs> lovely trip. Like, I've never heard a positive thing said about Iraq in terms of, like, going there. But apparently this place, this website knows what they're doing. So yeah. it's not like it was really their fault for... Or this all happening. Yeah, but this is like the only way you can get into North Korea is you have to go through one of these travel agencies. Correct. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're all extremely legit. They, it is insane how cheap they are too. Like only four hundred and seventy-five yen. Really? For to stay? Yeah. For a group to be a part of a group of twenty-five to go to North Korea for like five nights. Wow. Like, of course, like, your flight is going to be a little bit more. Because I remember reading that Otto put down, like, a $1,200 deposit for his trip for, like, the New Year's Eve special trip thing or whatever. But Right, but that, that includes, like, I mean, like, just overnight stays. Oh, yeah. For five days yeah. in this, what, 47-story hotel yeah. that's literally top of the line because they want people that visit there to think North Korea is great. Right. But it's it's not, like, very welcoming... <laughs> the hotel is known as the Alcatraz of Fun. What so, a wild nickname! <laughs> because it's an it's like an island hotel. Yeah. So it's just like ah, I don't know if that's appealing to me. Like <laughs> go to the Alcatraz of Fun. <laughs> just sounds like I'm never gonna leave. Right. Just a little bit of a translation error there. <laughs> so yeah, uh, as Evan mentioned, Otto went through the Young Pioneers to get uh, his trip all planned out to go to North Korea. And he joined an international group. There was Canadians, there was British people, uh, there was Chinese people. So kind of a mishmash of everything. And upon arriving in the country, the border police confiscated all of their cameras and went through all of the files on all of their smartphones to make sure that nobody was bringing in anything that was considered subversive to the government. So it just shows you how strict this country is on people coming in and out wonder what the craziest thing that they've found on a phone has been oh just so many dick pics so many pics yeah that's yeah. <laughs> probably that guy probably just does not want to do his job after a certain amount of time right he's like all right let me see it it's like chat roulette back in the day <laughs> yeah you never know what you're gonna get yeah so the group eventually passed through the passport control and we're now in an entirely new world for all intents and purposes one of the members of the group, who was also Otto's roommate for the trip, named Danny Gratton, he remembered Otto as being friendly and fun and someone that he's always going to remember. Like he said, he left, I believe he said something along the lines of he left an indelible mark on all of us. So it shows how much people liked Otto. Yeah, even in his time before being detained, Otto, I mean, he would like have snowball fights, for example, yeah, like well, with local children. Right. Yeah, so he was having a good time. Yeah. They uh, visited a ship known as the USS Pueblo, which was an American Navy ship that was taken by the North Koreans in 1968. And while on the tour, the North Korean tour leader mentioned that the 82 American sailors on board were the, quote, imperial enemy, and that the captured men on board the ship in 1968 were beaten and starved for 11 months before being released. Yeah, like 80, 80 American sailors yep. on this. Don't they call it a spy ship as yep. well? 
a spy ship for the Imperial enemy. That just sounds like the Empire in Star Wars. <laughs> right, exactly. But this made it clear to Otto that Americans were still viewed as the enemy. And he kind of got that sense of overwhelming... I don't know. I don't want... He just felt uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But the uh, rest of the group kind of helped him get back into the swing of things by making light of the situation and nicknaming Otto the Imperial Enemy for the rest of the trip. <laughs> Way to lean into the skid, though. Yeah. You know, just like, that's just, that's just funny. <laughs> it's just a joke. It's no, nothing serious, buddy. Right, right, right. So the trip also took them to see the statues of former and current dictators, and as Evan mentioned, he even got into a snowball fight with some of the North Korean children. And on New Year's Eve, the crew went out drinking at a fancy bar, but according to Danny Gratone, nobody got too drunk, as some of the reports after the incidents claim. Afterwards, the group headed back to the hotel and then out to the main square of Pyongyang for the New Year's celebrations and returned ultimately back to the hotel at the end. And as we've mentioned, it's 47 floors, it's got five restaurants, it's got a bar, sauna, massage parlor, bowling alley. So some of the group went to the bar. Danny Gratton and Danny Gratton, I believe. I don't know how you say his last name. Never heard it pronounced. But from now on, he's Danny G. Danny G went bowling, and Otto was eventually lost in the shuffle of everyone going their own ways. And Danny G said that for about two hours, nobody knew where Otto was. According to the North Korean government, this is when Otto committed the act that would change his life forever. Based on CCTV footage, around 1.57 a.m. on New Year's Day, a person who is allegedly Otto Warmbier is shown on the security camera in the hallway of the fifth floor of the hotel. Now, the fifth floor is restricted to anyone but security staff and contains oodles of North Korean propaganda, but there have been other daring tourists who have taken trips to this floor before. The security footage shows the character taking a framed poster off the wall and attempting to take it. It is like looking, do yourself a favor and look at this footage on YouTube. It is so unidentifiable to see who it actually is. Like it's literally just a black mass. Yeah. Like you can't tell who it is at at the very end of the hallway. Yeah. Just ripping off a poster, so... And also, it's a poster. (laughs) Right. But the post... Like, there's such strict rules on anything propaganda-wise in North Korea. I read somewhere that even if... Like, if there's a newspaper that has Kim Jong-un's face, you can't fold the newspaper over his face. And if you do... If you get caught doing it, then you'll get arrested. So, they take it very seriously. They do. I believe I also saw a report that one time like a janitor actually knocked over a framed poster like propaganda poster and he was never seen again yeah so most likely died or sent to one of these camps it's a very it's very serious for north korean citizens so you you can only imagine that they would take advantage of this to try and get foreign prisoners as well Mm. because they they need to use all of the power bargaining chips that they can get on january 2nd as he was passing through the checkpoints with his passport alongside danny Otto is tapped on the shoulder by two soldiers and led away. Danny G wanted to joke with the, quote, imperial enemy once more and said, quote, well, that's the last we'll ever see of you. 
Otto turned around and apparently laughed because he thought his buddy was just joking with him again. But the irony of Danny G's joke would prove deadly. He has to feel so bad yeah. <laughs> with this hindsight. He's he. I watched a very good. Do- I should mention like almost all the information that I got for this came from a very good GQ article that did a very good write up on this whole story. And there's also a documentary on YouTube, but it's called I think it was DW Documentary or something like that. It's like 45 minutes, but that's also very good. So a lot of the information for this story comes from those two sources. But he's interviewed in that documentary, and he's just like, we all felt so bad. I mean, I've. At the time, the joke probably hit. <laughs> right. No one was expecting it to get, go this way. So. Right. No one was expecting it to be that serious. So Otto was detained by officials and disappeared for two months, where no one knew where he was or what was happening. On February 29th, 2016, Otto is brought out before media and other officials for a public confession. He tearfully pleads with the North Korean government to have mercy on him and says he committed the worst mistake of his life. He even claims that the United States lured him into committing the act in conjunction with a local Methodist church and a university secret society. Yeah, they they definitely used him as a scapegoat, especially for that Methodist church. Yeah. Because our boy Otto here was Jewish. Yeah, he had no affiliation with any... Methodist churches. No affiliation with Christianity. Even. Yeah. Like, and uh, I, I'll put the, uh, once we're finished up with this section, I'll put in the audio of the most famous section of that trial where Otto is pleading with, with the government pretty much to take it easy on him because he, like, he didn't know, he, he realized what he did was wrong kind of thing. But it, almost everyone that watches the trial footage agrees that he was forced to say this. Oh, yeah, it's 100% scripted, especially with the, I mean, just with the language that he uses yeah, and, like, the words that he used, like, he said that he was, or he was very sorry that he was, he allowed himself to be allured by the State Department yeah. of the U.S. government, like, saying that he was told to take down this poster to publicly embarrass the North Korean regime, which, right. like... yeah. And in his confession, he also stated that he wore his quietest boots, the That's best right. ones for sneaking. <laughs> so, the, mar- the speech writer was like, this is, this is going to slap. This is so good right here. This, he, he was just playing a ton of RuneScape, and he found some good boots with sneak stats. And he's like, I'm going to put this in there. Right, yeah. He put on the boots, and it's like, plus two sneak. Yeah. <laughs> I entirely So many who observed Otto's confession, as we mentioned, believe it was coerced and it was kind of a public statement for the North Korean people and its government, or possibly Otto was told, we'll write a confession for you. If you confess, you'll be granted a pardon. So Mm -hmm. he believed that this was going to help him get off. But a little over two weeks later, on March 16th, 2016, Otto's hopes are dashed when he is brought in for sentencing and receives a verdict of 15 years of hard labor. And from here on, Otto's whereabouts are lost for a while. So, it just took the the worst possible turn 
that he could have had. When you, if you watch the video, and we'll share it out on our social medias, when you watch the video of him post-sentencing, he just looks like his soul has left his body. Yeah, he looks like a ragdoll. He's pretty much dragged out of the courtroom by the, the soldiers. Right, it's like hearing that news, and he just, in his mind, he just almost immediately think like yeah he's going to die in that country well he had yeah as we mentioned he had such a good life ahead of him he had a financial internship with like a, a major banking firm and he was going to study abroad in hong kong like he had everything set for him he was had a beautiful girlfriend who he said was like the love of his life mm-hmm. so he had like so much that he had plans for and all of that now is just taken away yeah he hasn't seen or had contact with his family like yeah. literally anyone in two months other than like Korean officials oh, for two months, three months now. Yeah. Three months. Yeah. Like the amount of isolation that and I'm sure we'll talk about it in a bit. Like the isolation of being a North Korean prisoner. Yeah. Uh, not it's pretty intense. Yeah. So that's where we'll leave Otto personally for a little while. Meanwhile, back in America, the gears were already turning to try and get Otto back. Already on January 2nd, the day that he was arrested, Robert King was alerted at the U.S. State Department that Warmbier had been taken in North Korean custody. He kind of knew what would come next, which was the trial, the forced confession, and then the imprisonment. And King also told Otto's parents that they should expect this to be a marathon, not a sprint. Just a tough thing to hear when you just found out that your kid got arrested in a foreign country. And in North, in North Korea. Yeah, like, not just any foreign, like the foreign country. Yeah, the foreignest foreign to ever foreign country. <laughs> so the government knew already that Otto would probably be used as a bargaining chip for North Korea, but they didn't know with full certainty where Otto was or what exactly he was going through. The United States barely has diplomatic connection with North Korea, well, at this time, and normally has to go through the Swedish ambassadors to liaison for American citizens in Pyongyang. Yeah, it's a very slow and arduous process to get anything accomplished, like, diplomacy-wise with North Korea. Yeah. Because, I mean, technically, we're still at war. Right. (laughs) I mean, after a while, Trump had good relations with Kim Jong-un, so it was probably easier at that point, but this this is still during the Obama administration at this point. So we're, we have no ties with them at all that we can use. So eventually, Robert King realized he couldn't really help, and former governor of New Mexico and ambassador of the United States, Bill Richardson, stepped in. And in the documentary, this guy just looks like he just had a leather skin suit stapled to his body. Cause no, he's <laughs> a little, little, little slimy. Yeah, he looks slimy. Gross. He's a good guy. Like He helps a lot in this story, but man, just looks like a straight ball of leather. Has he thought about just changing his skin? That, you know, I haven't asked, hmm. but I'm assuming that he's had that op- option. As, as a U.S. diplomat, why has he not put scientists to work to have him shed his skin like a snake. <laughs> well, they are all reptiles, so... Yeah, that's true. And turning the frogs gay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so alongside Bill Richardson was his senior advisor and negotiator, whose name was Mickey Bergman. They went through what is known as the New York Channel, which is an unofficial go-between for North Korean representatives to the United Nations headquarters in Manhattan. 
So this is pretty much the only communication line that we have for North Korea, and it's not even official. It's with sometimes retired diplomats. So it's the only way that we can really get anything communicated back and forth. Right. Like you said, sometimes retired, like out of the loop diplomats. Yeah. Just whoever they can get to transfer a message for them. Yeah. And they like these were not decision makers at all. They were literally just there to carry messages. Yep. Because pretty much all this was was dinners and hotel lobby meetings that were trying to progress the negotiations. But at each turn, Richardson and Bergman were being stonewalled until finally. They convinced the negotiators and the U.S. government to allow them to visit North Korea. Mickey Bergman was officially chosen as the one to go because they agreed that he would draw less attention than Bill Richardson, who looks like a prototype version of a real Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. (laughs) They told this influential diplomat, nah, you're kind of (laughs) ugly. You need to work on yourself. You're too ugly to go to North Korea. (laughs) (laughs) So in September of 2016, Mickey was finally brought face-to-face with North Korean representatives in Pyongyang for the first time in nearly two years for the Americans. That, I mean, you may be thinking, like, two years, that's really not that long of time. In diplomacy terms, like, that is nuts. No face-to-face communication with an actual representative in two years. Two entire years. That's crazy. On the plane to North Korea, Mickey was optimistic that he would be able to somehow bring Otto back, or at least be able to see Otto. But after four days of going through pretty much the same tourist routine that Otto and his group had done... Bergman was finally able to meet with the vice minister of North Korea. During this meeting, his hopes were all but dashed when he was told that he wouldn't even get to see Otto, much less take him home. All he was left with was a North Korean saying from his handlers, quote, it takes 100 hacks to take down a tree. Basically saying, it's going to take a lot more work than just one trip for you to get this guy back. But they were like, It's still hopeful. Yeah, in his mind, he's like, I have to come here 99 more times. That's exactly what he said upon getting back. He's like, I hope I don't have to do this an X number of times again to get this all done. Right. Yeah. Gosh, that's that's not what you want to hear after traveling across the world. Yeah, especially after how much work it was just to get to that point. And especially like you're just trying to get this 20, like early 20s dude home yeah just you know this, this guy like you have no connection to this man whatsoever you just know that he was detained and we're supposed to get him back right so with the election looming bill richardson and mickey bergman waited it out to see who won and when trump came out on top the two hoped that they could use this new inauguration to free Otto, similar to what reagan did with american hostages in iran during his early presidential term So they set up an entire plan to have Trump's plane go to North Korea and pick up Otto in the lead up to his inauguration. And North Korea showed positive interest in this idea in the form of not replying with an outright no. Which That's progress. I thought that was funny. In the article, it says North Korea showed positive interest because they didn't say no. Which is like, that's that's how this negotiation goes with these guys. Right. Very like fast and loose nobody really tells you anything until like it's happening yeah uh for example some like former american prisoners of north korea were literally told 
an hour before they left the country that they were going to be freed. Yep. Like that's happened in the past multiple times. So it's a good sign when you don't get hung up on. So this plan uh, apparently never crossed Donald Trump's desk because nobody was able to get a hold of him. So everything stalled. Around the same time, Otto's parents were starting to appear on various news stations and traveling to Washington to meet with Secretary of State John Kerry and other high-end officials to try and push the Obama administration to go get their son back. Yeah, up until this point, the family themselves are being very cool, well, very quiet, I would say. Like, they weren't going on any news programs. Uh, they were told just to wait, and like, if they did start making a scene, it could actually be bad for their son. But, I mean, as a parent, you can only wait so long right. to just sit and wait for a government to do something. So, Well, and as parents, and then you also have two other kids that are probably asking where their older brother is. So, oh. I mean, it's, it's not easy to just sit around silently and wait. That poor family, I cannot imagine. Yeah. As, as Bill Richardson put it, the game plan was told to the Warren Beer family as strategic patience. Eventually... Fred and Cindy, who are the parents in this situation, got tired of waiting and went on Fox News to talk with Tucker Carlson, the guy who said that Texas was run entirely by windmills. Tucker Carlson, whose Fox News' legal team won a legal case because their argument was that Tucker, Tucker Carlson can't be taken seriously. <laughs> so That is a fact. Look it up. Yeah. But anyways, that aside. Fred and Cindy went on the show with Tucker Carlson and told him that their talks with the Obama administration were fruitless and pleaded for Trump to do something to bring Otto home. In the coming months, Trump went on various platforms to speak out against North Korea and urged them to disarm their nuclear projects as well as return Otto Warmbier to the United States. And in this time of waiting, a new U.S. representative to North Korea was installed, whose name was Joseph Yoon. When he took over, America was still being stonewalled by the North Koreans. But shortly afterwards, when Trump was officially inaugurated, the New York Channel got in touch about releasing Otto. By February of 2017, a year after Otto had first appeared on TV with his public confession, the North Koreans were planning to visit the U.S. for talks. However, around the same time, Kim Jong-un assassinated his half-brother in an international airport, and the United States withdrew any support from Korea, and the communication soured. Yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to sneakily kill someone with a chemical weapon. In a public airport. In an international airport. So, not a good look for North Korea, and it very much halted the, the progress of communication back and forth between the two countries. Otto's probably just in his cell or in his room, just like, come on! <laughs> How, can you just wait, like... Two weeks so I can get a plane here. Right. Can you just stop your family feud for just a second? Nope. Gotta keep it going. A couple months passed after this incident and tensions eased enough that Joseph Yoon convinced other officials to let him meet with North Korean officials to discuss Otto's release face to face. So he took a trip to Norway to meet with the North Koreans and reach terms with them. They would allow the Swedish ambassador to visit Otto, as well as three other Americans who are currently being held in North Korea as well. The Swede was allowed to see one of the prisoners, but not Otto. So he didn't even get, he got 25% of what he was promised. Hey, shoot for, shoot for the stars land on the moon, I guess, I, in this I case. Guess. 
But Joseph Yoon didn't stop. He kept attempting to reach Otto for the next couple of months, but nothing seemed to be working. Until suddenly, out of the blue, in June, he was urgently summoned to the New York Channel. He met in Manhattan with the North Koreans, who informed him that Otto Warmbier was currently unconscious in North Korea. Yoon said that he was shocked upon hearing this and demanded that Otto be released on humanitarian grounds given his current state of health. His boss agreed, and eventually Donald Trump heard about it as well, giving the executive go-ahead for a mission to go into North Korea to retrieve Otto. So this is the first big step that we have in actually getting somewhere with, with full executive backing now. Right, things really start ramping up. Um, you can only be like just delegate, I guess, or just um, what's the word I'm looking for? Conversate, delegate, communicate. Yep, all you, all of those, all, all of, of the those, above. <laughs> uh, basically, until this kid like becomes unconscious, and then it's like, all right, we really have to go. Like, yeah, we have to get going on this. Well, and up to this point, nobody knows anything about Otto. They don't know where no. he is, yeah. or what's happened to him, what he's doing. So yeah, this is the first update. This is it's literally been a year and a half, and we've the United States finally gets an update, and that update is that Otto Warmbier is unconscious. Yes. So eventually, the United States was given the okay from North Korea to land a plane in Pyongyang, but nobody really knew how the meeting would go, because as far as you knew, he was going to be able to see Otto, but they would still have to negotiate to secure his release. But this was their best chance, and Yoon put together a team to go to North Korea to get Otto back. So he's putting together putting together a team. He's getting the heist crew he, back together. It's the Rick and Morty episode where they put together a heist crew. You son of a beat. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> that is such a good episode. It is. Not to derail us too much, but yeah. <laughs> so the man chosen to be the medical professional to go retrieve Otto was a man named Michael Fleckiger, who was a 31-year trauma center doctor and medical director of an elite air ambulance service named Phoenix Air, which regularly, regularly rescued Ebola patients from Africa. He hesitated, but eventually took the job and had his plane brought from Senegal in Africa to Atlanta, because he said that he needed the best equipment to do the job. Mm-hmm. So he brought in this huge Gulfstream jetliner with pretty much a emergency room on board, so he had everything he would need along with other nurses. So, could you imagine that medical bill? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine getting this call as Michael Fleckiger? Oh my gosh, yeah! Like you're already saving people's lives, American lives in North or in Africa that have Ebola, yeah. And you're just told you need to go to North Korea, one of the most restricted countries in the world, to go pick up this prisoner of war who is now unconscious. Right, this early 20-year-old, you know, American, all-American boy. That like, no one knows where they've been for a year and a half. Yeah, that's a tough call Have to fun. Get. Yeah, go get him sport, go get him doc. Yeah, he said he told his family that he was going to pick up a Korea, uh, patient in North Korea, but didn't tell them who it was, what the plan, he just said Korea, he didn't even say North Korea. 
So he Ooh. he just he basically didn't tell them anything because he was like, I don't want them to stop me because this sounds like it needs to happen. Right. Yeah. And I mean, credit to him. He was he's like what sixty seven at this point. He's an so old guy. Yeah. He's an older gentleman, and he, he kind of yeah, a trauma center doctor for thirty one years, and that's not even what he's doing currently. So right. So you can imagine how many years of experience he has doing this kind of thing. Yeah. So as I mentioned, he had the plane outfitted into a flying emergency room and it was loaded and airborne in less than two hours. And by Saturday, June 10th, the plane was in the air with Fleckiger, Yoon, and two other State Department members heading for Japan. And once in Japan, everyone but Yoon, one of the other diplomats, and Michael Fleckiger were offloaded from the plane because they were the only three that were given the go-ahead to enter Korea. And they were greeted by an entire bus of soldiers correct yep. like like armed soldiers talk about a welcome party right <laughs> but before they actually were able to get to korea the japanese government initially refused to let the plane fly directly into north korea and grounded the plane so there's negotiations from the u.s between the u.s department of affairs and japan and eventually japanese officials cleared and the flight and the jet took off once again the next day as the plane entered North Korean airspace, they were just told to fly straight for 20 miles, <laughs> and then the Japanese air traffic control cut off. Right, because there's not like an actual established air route nope. into North Korea from Japan. Like it's Yeah, this is an unofficial plane route, and they were, yeah. to they were also told that they weren't going to be able to refuel in Pyongyang, so they needed to make sure that they hit the target on the first try, because otherwise they're gonna be in a an alive situation where they crash in the mountains or something right and like no one's talking to them either no too like they had complete radio silence yeah so they get their radio silence initially and eventually the plane got radio communication which it was said that the radio communication was in perfect english which is interesting and was guided into pyongyang where a as evan mentioned busload of soldiers received the three americans and the jet itself returned back to Japan. So yeah, they now don't... these three are stranded in North Korea. Yeah, they don't have a ride back. No. <laughs> like they have to literally call the plane to come back. Fleckiger said that all he knew at the time of the landing was that Otto was in a coma at a place called Friendship Hospital and had been hospitalized for about 15 months. So he, has, he said he had a briefing on a small piece of paper, and that's the extent of his knowledge when he lands. Yeah, like to repeat that, Otto was in a coma for 15 months and they like just learned about it. Just now, got told. <laughs> yeah. The Americans were taken to a fancy guest house where Yoon negotiated with the North Koreans to get Otto back. But once again, they were at a stalemate with North Korea arguing that Otto committed the crime and shouldn't be allowed to escape due process. Like the man's been a... For like, he's just been like unconscious for fifteen months. Yeah, like, you're guarding a vegetable at this. Yeah, point, you're like. guarding someone who le like literally needed a machine to breathe. Yeah, so I don't know why you want to keep him anymore. <laughs> I guess like they're just holding on. They just they just see this man as a bargaining chip. Yeah, but I mean now, but still <laughs> it's, now it's just gonna backfire. So right. So as we mentioned earlier, in North Korea, disrespecting any propaganda was most likely deadly for North Korean citizens. So Otto's crime was not a small crime. Eventually, Yoon convinced the Korean officials to let them see Otto, and they were finally taken to Friendship Hospital to see Otto, the first time that anyone has seen him since March of 2016. 
2017, sorry. No, 2016. I had it right the first time. Right. Yeah. Never, we, never question yourself. Go with the gut feeling. Say what's in your heart, whether it's wrong or right. <laughs> Listen to your heart. Ooh. They found Otto in an isolated second floor ICU room, and they said he was pale and inert with a feeding tube inserted through his nostrils. Michael Fleckiger walked up and clapped next to Otto's ear, but got no response. He said he couldn't stand seeing a young man like Otto in a state like this. Who was in perfect health when he walked into the country. And Fleckiger has children of his own around Otto's age, so it's all he's thinking about when he's seeing Otto in this bed. Yeah. Two North Korean doctors arrived and passed more than a year of handwritten charts and some brain scans explaining that Otto had arrived this way to them. He also had a tracheotomy scar from where he once had a breathing tube. After an hour of examination, Fleckiger concluded that Otto was in a state of unresponsive wakefulness. Basically, he wasn't in a coma and he was awake, but he wasn't purposely responsive, only reactive. Mm-hmm. The Korean doctor's explanations for Otto's condition was either botulism poisoning, which is a rare poisoning that attacks the body's nerves and eventually can cause paralysis, or that Otto had a bad reaction to some sedatives that they gave him, or that they just gave him too many sedatives. With the botulism poisoning, were they saying like he got poisoned by someone? No, it's, it comes from food, I believe. Oh, so they right. said that he had a pork meal, I believe, and said, I don't know, maybe he got botulism, and then he just, his nerves shut off. Right. How did this happen? It's just, it's weird how it works. Yeah, how did this perfectly healthy man just end up in a coma? Yeah. Fluckiger did not see any signs of torture and said that the brain damage was likely due to lack of oxygen to the brain. And despite all that, he saw that Otto had no bed sores, which is very, means that he got good care because it's hard for American hospitals to keep people free of bed sores when they're in a bed for that long. And he was well nourished. So Fleckiger signed off that Otto had been taken, well, well taken care of while he was in that hospital. Right. Yeah. Like the Korean doctors wanted him, Fleckinger, to actually sign documents stating that like he was properly taken care of, care of and I believe he's, he was even quoted saying something to the sort of if it would have helped get him out like I would have lied yeah like the the main important thing was to get this get this kid home but I mean he also said yeah they did a great job right. taking care of him yeah so he didn't have to lie but despite seeing Otto nobody said that they could leave with Otto yet Eventually, Joseph Yoon and Fleckinger were taken to a hotel where they met the other three American prisoners, but could only take messages from them back to their families. Oh, I can't imagine. Yeah, they, they, I believe it was Fleckinger that said it was tough seeing those guys because they knew they weren't going to be able to take them with. Oh, that's so disheartening. And they only got like 15 minutes each. Yep. Something like that. Yeah. And then they were, and like they were brought in one by one. Yeah. So, and, and this is the first interaction they've had in months years and if i remember correctly these three men were charged of being spies like they were korean americans and their their charges were like that they were spies for america yep well that's true or not i mean that's yeesh i can't imagine what they do to spies in north korea yeah right. if this if they do 15 years of hard labor for a poster grab. right 
Once they got back to the guest house, Yoon told the North Koreans that their plane was coming to pick them up with or without Otto. And this was their last hope to put pressure on the North Koreans. He said he was 90% sure that they would release him, and his gamble worked. A North Korean judge eventually met with the Americans. They went to the hospital together, where the judge commuted Otto's sentence, and the U.S. group was given all of Otto's belongings. The American crew rushed Otto to the airport, loaded him onto the jet, and began to head back to America. So Otto is officially back in the hands of the U.S. After years. After 14, 15 months. Or, yeah, sorry, like a little bit more than a year. Yeah, but that is not a short amount of time. No, that is insane. And also he was put through like the absolute ringer even before going into a coma. Right. Uh, One past um, detainee or I guess prisoner, U.S. prisoner who served time in North Korea said that he was interrogated like 15 hours a day. Like each and every single day, yeah. and like you didn't, you couldn't sleep either. Like, yep. And they were constantly their psychological methods were like, "Your country isn't coming for you." They forgotten about you, all that kind of stuff. Yep. So the crew flew home on their initial route, but upon learning of his release, the press swarmed the Cincinnati International Airport. So the crew had to change their arrival to a regional airport to avoid the mob. The plane eventually landed on June 12th, 2017, and upon seeing their son, both of the warm beer parents said that they didn't recognize him. His hair was buzzed off, whereas he used to have long brown hair. His arms and legs were, quote, deformed, according to them, and his teeth were rearranged. Otto's sister fled the plane screaming, and Cindy eventually followed her. But Fred stayed on board and went up and hugged his son but Otto's blank stare didn't change. Paramedics cleared the family out of the plane and carried Otto by his legs and armpits into an ambulance where Cindy joined him for the ride to the hospital. But she said that she almost passed out on the ride seeing her son in such a state. Oh, my heart just truly goes out to those parents and that family. Like, that is an unimaginable scene. Like, that being the first thing that you see of your son after 15 months. His eyes are open, but he's just, like, staring. Yeah. Staring off in the distance. Like, that's heartbreaking. Yeah, the doctors on board came to the agreement that they wanted... They were torn between leaving him unsedated and letting him see his parents, like, as he was, Mm. or sedating him so that he would be calm and wouldn't be raging against his restraints, and they decided to sedate him. So, yeah. it Right. It's tough decisions had to be made to just... On the way back, it's not a good situation for anybody. Mm -hmm. Otto remained at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center with his family near his bed, while doctors scrambled to find an answer for his condition. But nobody could find an answer. And in the meantime, Fred Warmbier, Otto's father, was giving press conferences at Otto's high school on the same stage his son had once given his graduation speech on, telling the reporters they were trying to make him comfortable and blaming the Obama administration for not fighting harder to release Otto sooner. He was also wearing the same jacket as Otto did when he convicted, or excuse me, uh, when he admitted to his crime in North Korea. Yeah. 
At the same time, the New York Times released an article claiming that the government had obtained, quote, intelligence reports in recent weeks indicating that Mr. Warmbier had been repeatedly beaten while in North Korean custody, end quote. And they got that from an anonymous American official. Yes. (laughs) And that, that came out two days after Otto returned home. So already, they're already starting to spread quote-unquote, facts about what had happened to him while he was gone. Yeah, this hit the news hard. Yeah. Like like you mentioned, the airport that he was originally going to was absolutely swamped with media. Like, this was a national headline, uh, just a person coming home from North Korea. I mean, that would be a huge headline any single day. Exactly. Especially with how much Trump was talking about it in the news now. It's, right. It was a very big deal. In the circus of attention, Otto Warmbier was back in a vegetative state at the hospital. And after doctors told the parents that their son would never recover, Fred and Cindy made the decision to pull his feeding tube. Otto Warmbier died on June 19, 2017. Hundreds of people lined the streets for his funeral procession, making the hand gesture of a W to represent Otto's high school. That has to be... Truly one of the most difficult decisions yeah, for a parent to make. I mean, he was home for about a week, yeah, and they never saw him do anything. He wasn't, he wasn't awake for most of it. Even when he was awake, he wasn't cognizant of anything, mm-hmm. and he never would be, so it wouldn't be worth... Yeah, the value of life there is just not... I mean, there, there just is none. Right, you know? and, and I mean, as far as his parents knew, he could have been dead already before he even returned. So, right. I mean, you have 15 months in that interim to come to terms with the fact that maybe you're never going to see him at all. Yeah. So I guess maybe that lessened the blow, but I mean, either way, it's not, not easy. Right, yeah. So he did get to die, you know, surrounded by loved ones. Yeah. I guess if that's any consolation. But also, then he got sent back to die from North Korea because they didn't want him to die on their hands. Oh, right. Yeah, that's the only reason why he, yeah. why he was able to come back at all. So it's, it's very obvious that there's still political motivations behind the scenes. Oh, even, I'm sure we're about to get into it, but even like post-death. Oh, yeah. Like he, his death, unfortunately, gets used quite a bit by administrations and in the political sense of things, which is a real, a real shame. After some time to mourn, Fred and Cindy continued to push the narrative that Otto was tortured by the, quote, terrorists of North Korea, describing how his teeth were damaged and his foot was scarred. Eventually, they went on Fox and Friends and did an interview in September of 2017. And after the interview, President Trump tweeted and said that it was a, quote, great interview and that Otto was, quote, tortured beyond belief by North Korea. The Warmbiers took a legal case against North Korea based on these claims, and eventually the government increased restrictions on North Korean banking, and Trump even designated North Korea as a state sponsor of terrorism. Yeah, those are serious infra- like or excuse me, serious infractions, serious like penalties to put on already impoverished states. Yeah, we already had a bunch of sanctions already on North Korea, so they're just increasing all of that. Right. Republican officials cited Otto's death as a reason to push against Kim Jong-un, and Trump mentioned it on a couple occasions that the Warmbiers should be a sign to pressure North Korea. 
But the evidence of his alleged torture that was the basis for all these claims was not as clear-cut as everyone kept saying. Yeah, keep in mind, the media storm and the media claims and the article that was written are strictly based on the offhand account of one anonymous official. American official. Um, And now the parents just got caught up in that because they didn't recognize their son and they thought, how else would this happen unless... Right. He was tortured. Right, right. The coroner who examined Otto Warmbier, a woman named Dr. Lakshmi Kode Samarko. I'm so proud of you. That was that was good. <laughs> I when believe. I was, when I was I going when I was going through, I'm like glad that it, you got the reins on the side. It, it is quite the name. But she called a press conference and explained that she hadn't done so earlier out of respect for the family. However, her findings and those of the doctors who attended to Otto did not show any of these signs of torture that they were claiming. Dr. Samarco, in interviews for the DW documentary on Otto, said that he suffered lack of oxygen to his brain for an extended period of time, not brain damage from physical assault. And even though the Warmbiers had declined a, a surgical autopsy, scans showed that no bone fractures had occurred and there was no other signs of abuse that could be seen. Right, and keep in mind, like, those are very drastic, like when you're examining a body, like as a coroner, or like as a scientist, a doctor, like a, being punched in the head leaves a lot more marks than just simply losing air to the brain. Right. And, and that like they just look completely different injuries. And if it was assault, it would leave non-symmetrical damage to the brain. But he had unilateral mm-hmm. damage where you, you could tell that the brain damage had come from everything happening at once. It wasn't just various timings or various locations. Right. And like the claim that he was repeated, repeatedly beaten too. Yeah. That just kind of gets shot, shot down by this. His teeth, which were the biggest claim in the torture evidence, showed no actual evidence of being ripped out and replaced as the claims were saying. Dr. Samarco found that his teeth were, quote, natural and in good repair. She went on to say, quote, his body was in excellent condition. I'm sure he had to have had round-the-clock care to be able to maintain the skin in the condition it was in. And further stated about the Warmbier's claims, quote, they're grieving parents. I can't really make comments on what they said or their perceptions, but here in this office, we depend on science for our conclusions. But after her press conference, she wasn't the most popular person because she apparently received letters that almost hinted at threats because she was going against what the president was saying. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's that's I mean, it's Trumpism. It is. Yeah, it was immediate responses telling her that she shouldn't have she should have kept her mouth shut. She can't go against what the president says. What he says is law. Right. (laughs) But until people involved come forward and tell the story of what actually happened to Otto. Dr. Samarco says that we'll never know exactly what happened. Yeah, it's definitely almost, I mean, it's almost like a conspiracy theory, if you will, uh, that people have unfortunately made out of this young boy's death. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we'll just never know. I mean, there's even rumors that I saw that, like, the guards that were supposed to be in charge of Otto and, like, who, the people that were in charge of him, like, just disappeared after... Yeah. After he was taken yep. back uh, to America. So it's like, so well, that's true or not, who knows, but... I mean, it would make sense, then they can't talk, so... Right. So, 
what actually happened to Otto Warmbier? Theories about his time in North Korea vary across the board. The obvious go-to has been torture, which has been listed in numerous articles, and if you ever search for Otto Warmbier on Google, almost every single one will have repeatedly beaten in there somewhere. Oh, yeah, it's the first thing. Like, it's the first option on Google. Yep. But as we've established, this theory doesn't really hold up to heavy scrutiny. And with a lack of evidence, it's hard to know exactly what happened, but we can use other former prisoners' testimonies to help us piece together the best guess at what might have happened. Fifteen other Americans have been imprisoned in North Korea since 1996, so we have some sources to put a plausible timeline together. The human rights violations in North Korea work camps have been well-documented, as we've discussed. You can pretty much find it on the internet anywhere, with people serving large sentences for very minor crimes, like watching a banned South Korea soap opera. Taking a risk watching a TV show. Can't imagine. That is nuts. That is... Couldn't be me. Like, we bag on the U.S. a lot. Thank God it's not that. Yeah, no. We live in a good place. Right. We do... I complain a lot, personally, but, like, glad that's not the case. We're good, yeah. Right. Like, I can literally tweet, like... F the whole government doodly doodly do. Yep. And be fine. For North Korean citizens, the punishments are far worse than that of the American prisoners. For citizens, the lucky ones survive on starvation rations and endure beatings and forced labor, while those less fortunate are tortured to death. One Korean prisoner described her time in the prisons as thus quote, North Korean prisons are actually hell. We had less rights than a dog. They often beat us, and we were so hungry we would catch mice in our cells to eat. End quote. Like eating mice raw, too. That is... And she also claimed that she saw six to eight prisoners die a day. Just to give you an, exa- like an idea of what this is actually like. Yeah, and like these are truly all right outside like the, the capital. Yep. For American prisoners, however, it is very much different than that. Most of the time, they're sent to a guest house similar to where the Americans stayed on their trip to get Otto back, which is a two-story building run by the North Korean secret police. Most reports compare the lodgings as similar to a basic hotel two-room suite, but the prisoners are only allowed to go out for an escorted walk every once in a while. Otto likely stayed at one of these and followed the normal procedure. The North Koreans would relentlessly interrogate him until his confession, as Evan mentioned earlier, for some time up to 15 hours a day with little sleep, if any sleep at all. And they would take the statements that he said in these, in these interrogations to fabricate a false narratives out of the small truths that he would tell them in his interrogations, such as Otto Warmbier purchasing a souvenir propaganda poster. So he did have a poster. Right. But... He bought it. Yeah, bought and paid for. However, no American prisoners have accused North Korea of using physical force, but they definitely say they use psychological attacks, which Evan alluded to earlier. The detainees are told that rescue's hopeless, nobody's coming for them. They don't tell the prisoners about their release until an hour before and leave them completely isolated until then. But overall, Americans are treated especially well since North Korea knows that they will eventually have to send them back. Right. There's no such thing as like a long or like a forever prisoner. No. Like when it comes to being an American citizen in most cases, like yeah. they do have to come back. As we mentioned, it's very much bargaining power play for 
the North Koreans. Yep. So with this information in mind, there are a few options that surface as to what happened to Otto. However, one detail that wasn't disclosed until later on was that Otto was admitted into Friendship Hospital the day after his sentencing trial. This means that if he was tortured or put into the labor camps, it would have been in the relatively short time span between his arrest on January 2nd and his sentencing, which was around at most six weeks. Mm -hmm. Plus, if this is the case, then he would likely have showed some sign of physical abuse at his public appearances. So, this dwindles the options a bit. One of the most plausible options is that Otto attempted to take his own life. If he perhaps attempted to hang himself, it would have cut off oxygen to his brain in the time that it took for someone to catch him and get him down. At least two other American prisoners have previously attempted suicide after the psychological torture in North Korea. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that Otto realized that his entire life, which was bright and successful, was now gone. His family, his girlfriend, and his friends were all out of reach, so he saw no other option. Yeah, that sense of complete isolation is something that like, we can never even imagine. Yeah. Um, unless you've been through it. And being in a foreign country like that, having no contact with the outside world, with the people that you know, and also like you're part of a media circus yeah. as well. Like in the actual state, like everyone that's looking at you hates you. You're being things. used as propaganda for North Korea. Right. That's, that's a t- I did make a joke about that before, but that's tough. It's pretty clear in the video, if you watch it, that he is under a lot of mental stress during both the trial and after his sentencing, it looks as though he's given up. So, suicide attempt isn't too far-fetched, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think it's probably the most plausible one, if you will, or the one that makes the most sense when you listen to like the doctors and the coroners, when they describe the injuries and the way that they occurred. I just think that he truly just kind of lost hope and felt completely isolated. Yeah, and I mean, if you are attempting to hang yourself in a cell, you're not going to be able to drop yourself far enough to break your neck. So it's going to be a strangle. And I mean, that'll leave a mark on your neck, but for how long? Right. So In 15 months, that would go away. So it could be an option. The other option is that the North Korean doctors were telling the truth and he did suffer a bad reaction from the sedatives that he was given. And in this case, it could have been something unfortunate that was out of the hands of anyone at the time, and it was just too late once it was found out to save the situation. Mm-hmm. But outside of those two options, no one really knows. That's our, that's our best bet right now. Yeah, that's really, that truly is just kind of all we know. Whatever the case, Otto's case was a prime example of using the situation of an unfortunate tourist to push the agenda of military intervention and tamping down any psychological backlash that may come with it. As the GQ article put it well, quote, In the absence of proof, we all have to choose what we want to believe about Otto's tragedy. And in this political age, where truth seems enslaved to the agendas of the powerful, it is important to consider what story we believe and why. After all, the stories we tell ourselves and others shape our own fates and those of nations, the world, and other people's children. In the end, however, despite all the mystery still surrounding Otto, it is essential to remember two facts that endure as unyielding as gravestones. Otto's death and the grief of those he left behind.
end quote. I mean, he was a kid that truly just wanted to explore the world. Like he went to North Korea just in the, like with that sense of adventure of only 10,000 people see this place a year. Like that's. And it probably was less back then. Like, oh yeah, for sure. So, so like that sense of adventure led him to do this. And in one of the craziest series of events, he ended up losing his life. Yeah. After the events of Otto Warmbier, former President Trump completely 180'd on his stance with North Korea and became friends with Kim Jong-un, stating that there are a lot of people in North Korea, and he was taking Kim Jong-un's word that he had no knowledge of what was happening with Otto. Eventually, Otto's story outlived its usefulness for the Trump administration. The Warmbiers continue to press forward to spread Otto's story and try to find answers, doing all they can to keep his memory alive. And hopefully... We can help with that by this episode, by telling his story and hopefully putting to bed some of the rumors that have been incessantly spread since his death and try and calm things down a little bit around the the suspicion that he was tortured. But either way, Otto Warmbier, a mid, young 21-year-old 20 kid who had his whole future ahead of him, tragically lost his life, and that's the final point. That's the only fact that we know. Yeah, that's, I mean, this is truly one of the saddest stories that I think we've ever covered. Just because it's, I mean, he was a completely innocent kid. Like, he did not deserve this. And he, his life was literally just turned into being a political bargaining chip, both when he was detained and even after his death. Um, Like, the Trump administration used this to, I guess, broker a piece with, with North Korea in a sense, but his, his life and death were, were used. Yeah. Uh, which is sad, but out of warm beer. Hope you're doing well, wherever you, you are now, because mm. you deserved a lot better. And yeah. yeah, absolutely. Rest in peace for sure. But that is the story of Otto Frederick warm the boy who took a trip and never returned. Mm. We yeah. hope you guys, Enjoyed this, despite the fact that it is a little less on the uh, uplifting side of the things we cover on here. But these stories are important, too. So, Yeah, we can't lead or we can't title every single episode with the word wacky. And then, <laughs> yeah, you know, we right. had, to, had to get serious about history sometimes. They're not all going to be the uh, f- five fun history stories. Like. Yeah, five, <laughs> five. We're not going to be talking about the dancing plague or spontaneous human combustion all the time. <laughs> or melted tootsie rolls, yeah. Yeah, so, get down to business here and there. Every once in a while. Mm-hmm. So, But I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, make sure to... Like, subscribe, uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And then, of course, feel free to listen, or excuse me, to follow us on social media so you can find us on Twitter. We already did this. We did already do this. Go back that's to the right. beginning and listen. Go back. <laughs> or yeah. look in the description of the episode. They're all in there, too. That, that's true. If you don't follow... Oh, we didn't bring up the Agora, though. That's true. We didn't. There's a Facebook group. Go join the Facebook group. <laughs> Go join the Facebook group. Just look up Gems of History Discussion. It'll show up, I hope. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Never done it. I created the group. So. <laughs> it's like you create the group, but you're still not allowed in. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So next week, I, th- I think we're still staying in Asia next week. So We are next staying. Next two weeks, actually. The so next two weeks. We're doing yes. double duty on the next one. We, that's going to be a long day. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a, it's gonna be a, da- a time. So... Yeah, but very excited. Do we just say what we're doing now? 
Nah, let's leave them guessing. Oh, okay. We'll leave them guessing. You guys can guess about any Asian history topic that you can think of. You have to take a wild guess. If you get it, we'll do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> if you guess correctly, well, buckle up, buckaroo. We're still going to do the same episode. Good job. Get yep. on you, buddy. Yep. You get a high five emoji in the Facebook group. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and if you're not in there, sucks to suck. Our hands are tied. Can't give you anything. Nope. So, we'll be back next week, I guess. And until then, everyone out there, you know, take care of each other. Be kind. Help one another out. Do what you can to make everyone's life a better, happier, more fulfilling place. And stay polished. <laughs>